BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. What's up, everybody? Welcome into Tom Curran's Patriots Talk podcast. I am Tom Curran. That, of course, is Phil Perry. He's always with me because he is the yin to my yang. He is the Sancho Panza to my Don Quixote. He's sometimes the Batman to my Robin. We ride like this. But I have a feeling Phil and I are going to have divergent opinions on this. Matt Judon, tell me how you feel about mac and cheese. I'm going to tell you. We got to get macaroni and cheese out the table. All right, guys. It's just cheese and noodles. All right, I'm going up. I'm getting on my soap opera. It's just cheese and noodles, and it's not that good. Get a macaroni and cheese off the table, and it'd be a much better Thanksgiving for everybody in the house. Yeah, I have never liked macaroni and cheese. And you know how they say, like, oh, your taste buds change every seven years. Uh, you just got to every – every time I try it, it's the same – thing and it's never going to change and it's never going to get better if you want to have a good thanksgiving don't cook macaroni and cheese bill now what'd you think about matt judon's opinion on mac and cheese so i guess like do i have to fight him now is that basically what he was saying i love mac and cheese i don't know how mac and cheese ever landed on the thanksgiving plate but i think that in the universality that is the united states now we have much more bridging of the geographic norms I've never seen mac and cheese on a plate in Massachusetts. Had you growing up as a Todd Milt? Uh, yeah, no, we've had we've had mac and cheese. I mean, we also With Thanksgiving. Know Trump, yeah, I, I, we have had. Listen, just because they didn't do we it at the current household doesn't, doesn't mean it's not a thing. No, we didn't ever do anything with tiny marshmallows. Which turn I'm up very with tiny marshmallows. I have no idea whose idea that was. I would have loved to have experienced that as a kid, and I never did, but. We also grew up in a house where we would have 40 some odd people in our home on Thanksgiving. And so if everybody brings something like you start, you start branching out and you start getting things that might not have been on the table when the pilgrims came over the pond. I'm saying it's fine, whatever you put, but there are things that people broach as to what are, you know, Thanksgiving norms. I hear mac and cheese, mac and cheese was turkey with gravy, stuffing, and then some kind of green thing, some cranberry sauce, and then GTFO to watch Dallas and the Lions. Okay, that's it. Simple. Did you have mashed potatoes? You can eat your, you can eat your skin. Um, no mashed potatoes at the Carnes? Yeah, mashed potatoes. Oh, okay. I didn't know. If oh, I yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would double starch. But yeah. I, I do want to say one thing about all this. I don't care what your favorite side is. I don't care how much you dislike a pie. Mac Jones. I don't care if you like candy corn. I don't care when you celebrate Christmas or open gifts. I don't care. We've turned this into 
every holiday, a social media effort for, for holiday shaming. It's just, it's not, none of these are authentic. I want authenticity. Nobody hates pie. You're calling out a co-host there when you say that. You know that? Megan Ottolini, down on pie. I'm calling That's you fine. right out, Mego. You That's just said fine. nobody likes pie. Nobody yeah, dislikes pie. look, she's got way too many opinions, too, on this stuff. Here's my the, take. We have a habit now of, of having these fully formed opinions on benign topics. You know who leads the league in that? And he knows he does. Jim Murray. Jim Murray from 98.5, the sports tub, leads the league on completely evolved opinions on topics like, hey, do you ever back into a parking spot? Backing into a parking spot is for primitive people who should be shot on sight. All right, Jim. All right. No backing in. I'm Am at I the wrong? sports hub right now. I could go talk to him about this if you'd like me to. Here's what I would say to you, Curran. You don't care how people feel their Thanksgiving day plates should be structured. You're saying live and let live. And yet here you are berating me and the rest of the listeners that have maybe ever participated in this. If you really felt pounding on my door and hitting me with your food takes, get off the internet. All right. Keep to yourself. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Oh, so you all are, people you are slandering mac the, and cheese and you pie, are coming mate. to the table with negativity and opinion making of your own that you are you are criticizing the rest of us for having in the first place. I'm criticizing. If you don't want to participate, then don't participate. This is a you thing. This isn't an us thing. This is a you thing. That's all I'm going to say. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't be hip- You're a hypocrite. Hypocrite. Candy corn is fucking gross. It is. On that, we can agree. It's going to be a lot of bleeping for the skull crusher right there. Matt Nagy. Says he's not going to be fired. Says that's not true. A report oh, I didn't that see that. Chicago, yeah. She just was up there, and a guy named Kevin Fishbane probably works for The Athletic. Everybody who I've never heard of works for The Athletic and then writes awesome stories. See, that's the flip side, except for Jeff Howe, who works for The Athletic and still writes pretty good stories. Awesome stories. He writes a lot of awesome stories. He's an oral history maven. Be that as it may. Phil, I heard you on 98.5 The Sports Hub. Driving back from Dunkin' Donuts, people who drive from Dunkin' Donuts to their house should be decapitated. Um, thanks, Jim. You have a Dunkin' Donuts take, which is don't order food in the drive-thru at Dunkin' Donuts. I hope you didn't do that. No, I never That's, do. And, and that is a long-standing take of yours that would fall right in line with Jim Murray or anybody else who has opinions on things that aren't worth having an opinion on. That's worth you having are, an opinion you on are, because if you order food in the drive-thru, you're impacting the rest of society by taking up too much time in and space, which is at a premium in Massachusetts, in the drive-thru. Go inside, get out of your car, toddle your buttocks into the building, and order it in there. I would say do the same with your coffee. Or maybe just be ahead I of do schedule. Toddle in. I don't go don't, into the drive-thru. I order on late. the app and toddle in. Every don't time. Don't so that and if I you just look at everybody in line and go, you guys are in line, huh? <laughs> Get the app stiffs and walk right out. You are what you hate, though. That's all I'm saying. You are what you hate with these opinions. That's all. <laughs> That's kind of a plum job, Chicago, if and when Jim Nagy gets the, uh, gets the big shoe. So does Jim Nagy just not know that he's about to be fired or he knows specifically that he's going to have this job for a while? Because that's a very Am I strong calling him thing Jim to come Nagy? up with. 
Who's the head coach in Chicago? Did I just yeah. slap Nagy. the senior bowl director? Did, into- <laughs> did we just fire Jim Nagy from the senior bowl? Jim, you're safe. Jim's fine. We love Matt. Jim Nagy. He's a Matt very Nagy good friend. Of- Matt Nagy, they're not related, I don't believe. Uh, Matt Nagy is the coach of the Chicago Bears. Jim Nagy, friend of the podcast, Next Pat's podcast. He's probably also been on Patriots Talk. Charles uh, Nagy, Indians uh, starter. We've talked about Charles Nagy on this podcast before, too. That's the second time we've referenced that kind of about a month. He probably listens. He's just like, he's plowing a farm somewhere and he's looking up like, these guys, Folks, this pod's going to get better. The brain. This pod's, pod's going to get better. Hopefully, you listen to it on, on okay. your way someplace. But, it um, is a plum job for, for Josh McDaniels. And if he gets offered that job, Tom, he should take it. And the Patriots should be looking for another offensive coordinator, in my opinion. You and I talked about this a little bit offline last week because after the Browns game, um, in the post-game scrum, I saw Bill Belichick and Chad O'Shea catching up. I said, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Chad O'Shea's with the Browns now. He is their passing game coordinator, wide receivers coach. It's a job he held with the Patriots before he went to the Dolphins and was the offensive coordinator for one year with Brian Flores before Brian Flores gave him the giant toe and sent him on his way for trying to teach the Patriots offense Two ill-equipped Dolphins offensive players. So I throw Chad O'Shea as a log onto the fire for a possible consideration for offensive coordinator if and when Josh leaves. Phil, other names? Other names? I would start number one would be Bill O'Brien, offensive coordinator of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Maybe looking for a way back into the NFL, maybe looking to get a little bit closer to home. We know he's a, a little bit closer guy. to the Belichick and waiting. Two. Potentially. And the other name I would throw out there as uh, maybe a little bit of a dark horse would be tight ends coach Nick Cayley. Nick Cayley was just recently for the second year in a row now mentioned on Tom Pelissero's annual column of future potential head coaches. And he's, like I said, he's been mentioned now 2020 and 2021. He's 38 years old. He's been around for a while. Josh McDaniels trusts him. He also coaches a position, Tom, that requires him to understand every play in the playbook intimately because that tight end spot is so crucial to the running game, the pass game. To me, it wouldn't be like elevating Josh McDaniels from quarterbacks to coach to offensive coordinator back in the early 2000s, but it would be similar in that you have this guy that not a lot of people know a lot about, and he's still Mm -hmm. relatively young in his career, who gets brought up from within. And we know Bill Belichick usually likes to do that. Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy 
happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right. Uh, now on to dead or sleeping. We all know that there's chaos in the American Football Conference. We're going to take, take you on an idiot's guide to the American Football Conference with Phil and I. Dead or sleeping, the Tennessee Titans. They lost to the Jets. They lost to the Texans last week. They're eight and through. They got no Derrick Henry. They got some injuries mixed in there. Are they dead or are they sleeping as the Patriots ready to play them this week? I think they're dead. I just think offensively they have lost their identity. When they lost Derrick Henry, that killed who they were as an offensive football team. I think the defense is still very good. And I think Mike Vrabel is a very good coach. And so they should have enough to win some games down the stretch here, Mm -hmm. Tom. I just think if we're talking about real contenders, they don't have enough and they haven't figured it out yet uh, without Derrick Henry to be able to show me that they are just sleeping. Good qualifier for what we're trying to define dead or sleeping as we're not saying that they're never going to win another game, just that it looks like we can see the end of their road from where we stand. The Buffalo Bills, Phil, you had a great take on them. You've had it for a little while now. You say they're a little bit tender. You say they're a little bit soft. Our friend Tyler Dunn says the same thing, and he said it on Twitter. Phil, <laughs> Buffalo Bills. On Twitter. He did Dead. say it on Twitter, and it makes me feel sleep- better. Can I, I want to do that thing. Phil, Buffalo Bills dead or sleeping? I'm going to say the Buffalo Bills are dead. D-E-D, dead. And it makes me feel a lot better about my take on the Bills that Tyler Dunn, who knows that team very well, um, has a has a similar feel for who they are right now. They are a team that wants to be the greatest show on turf. They have invested in an incredible way at the receiver position. They're paying their quarterback. They're letting him run around and try to be the backyard, schoolyard type of player that he proved he could be and and be at a very high level last year. But they can't run the ball, Tom. And that usually doesn't make or break you, but you have to at least have that club in your bag. And their offensive line hasn't been able to generate all that much in terms of push, so they're throwing it all the time. Well, now they're throwing it all the time, and because the offensive line is just not that that good, period, they can't protect consistently either. And so it's led to these incredible highs and lows that we've seen from their offense. Their defense, again, like the Titans, I think their defense is excellent. I just think it's it's probably a team that is a little too easy to defend to make me believe they have a real shot at winning the Super Bowl. Kansas City Chiefs, they're on a little bit of a tear, even though I watched the entire game happily. Well, I did doze here and there during the Kansas City Chiefs-Dallas Cowboys game on Sunday, as is my right on a Sunday off. But they win 19-9. to Wasn't a real jaw-dropping win, especially after Patrick Mahomes had thrown for five touchdowns in the two previous games. But I think their feet are on the floor right now. They haven't yet stretched and rubbed their eyes, but their feet are on the floor. So dead, sleeping, or about to get rised and shined? Yeah, I think they were sleeping, and and they are now starting to wake up. And I think it's the extent to which they do eventually become awake that will really dictate how far they're able to go. Like, are they just rubbing their eyes, and are they sort of sleepwalking like it's 2 a.m., and they're, they're looking for a glass Take of a water? Take go back to bed, yep. Or are they up and they're ready to start their day and they don't even need a coffee. They're just hitting the door. They're out the door. They've dressed, they've showered, they've shaved. They look and smell tremendous and they're ready for December and January. I think they're going to get there eventually, Tom, but they're not there yet. 
and it's their offense, which is shocking to me. The defense has been pretty good. It's the offense. The offense has had basically one good game in their last five, and it was because the Raiders just decided to do what they do defensively, and they haven't been doing what these other teams have been doing to slow the Chiefs down. And what when you know it, the Chiefs end up having a great game. So they have to figure out what is ailing them offensively. But I just I have faith that they will, even though we're pretty deep into the season right now. They've lost to every good team in the AFC among their four losses. I say good. Every team they they've lost to Titans, Bills, Chargers. Um, there's another one. Ravens, 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 Chiefs. I could call it up, but you get the gist. All four games have been, all four losses have been to AFC contenders, which brings us now to the Chargers. You know, we usually see a lesser representative of this franchise when the Patriots play them. However, I still will pose to you with a Justin Herbert dead or sleeping. I'm not ready to say they're dead yet because. I love Justin Herbert and they have enough talent defensively at individual spots to say to me that they can contend. They have to catch fire though a little bit, Tom, and they are a little bit like the bills in that, you know, I I say the bills are a little soft. I would say the chargers defense is a little bit soft. They've not been very good against the run. They've got to get that figured out. But to me, the the quarterback is, I, I like him better than Josh Allen right now. I like him better than Ryan Tannehill. He is really the reason why I would say some of these other AFC contenders are dead, but they are not just yet. It's a deep sleep though. Like they might be, it's one of those where you're, you're putting your hand over their face to make sure they're still breathing, you know? Just walk in and say, how's he doing? No change. Um, Ravens. I'm going to take this one first. Dead. Dead. Why? They don't have enough in their running game. And Lamar Jackson is an eminently defensible quarterback. And we've seen it in the last couple of weeks, you know, and they are resourceful and they're smart and they're well coached and they have the best kicker on the planet. But in the end, what will be their downfall is the injuries they sustained on defense, the loss of the running backs who would have made such a massive difference in a multi-pronged rushing attack. And the fact that as a passer, what are you looking at? You look like a little kid looking around. Sorry. Stay with me. I'm with you. I'm in, you know, what's funny. I'm in our friend Hardy's little mini recording studio. This is where they put me. I said, Hey, I need to tape a podcast with Karen at like, you know, one o'clock right after I got off the radio with Zolak and Adam Jones. And this is where they stuck me today. Hey, this is, this is Hardy's room. So Hardy, if you're listening, I'm in your room and I'm just looking at some of the pictures. I was still listening to you. I was still listening, but he's got some interesting stuff. He's got some, you would love it in here because you guys, you guys are um, of the same era Mm -hmm. culturally. And so there are some things here that I'm sure you would appreciate that. I really, I'm a metal guy. I was more of an alternative guy. It's not music. Even I think most of it is, um, is uh, actors. So I'll have to, I'll send you a pic and uh, tell me who these people are. Uh, So I have the Ravens dead, not sleeping. Quick on them, and then I got to hit the Bengals, and then I want to move on to some uh, really good sound from from Bill Belichick, Josh McDaniels. You were midpoint, and now I feel bad because my eyes started wandering, and you. Sorry, right. I was petering out. That's why I decided to be distracted by what you were doing. <laughs> okay, good. I'm going to say the Ravens are still sleeping because coach quarterback. I, I, 
Lamar Jackson, you're right. I think, um, you know, he's not the perfect quarterback by any means. But when he's on in the passing game, when he is on, he is nasty. It's really hard to stop. And so it's a it's a matter of which day you're catching them on. To me, the surprise with the Ravens has been that their defense has not been very good. And they've dealt with a lot of injuries. Um, and so that's part of it. But their defense is usually not this bad. I think they're in the mid-20s in terms of overall defensive ranking right now. If they can get that figured out the way the Chiefs have, I mean, the Chiefs have figured out their defense, Tom, in the span of about two weeks, which is shocking to me. If the Ravens can pull off something similar, they're not dead. Bengals, and then I'm going to throw in a cold stake, but you need to have these done in 40 seconds. The Bengals are dead. The Bengals were never really alive, in my opinion. So that was quick. Why? Why are we doing this with the Bengals? Because they're still in the playoffs right now. They're on the inside of the belt. And the Colts can't do that in 2021, can you? Run the ball all the way with Jonathan Taylor? I guess they probably could. I don't know. The Patriots are trying to. <laughs> yeah, but that's why I want to get to the Patriots. Why are the Patriots the most dangerous team in the American Football Conference? It's not because they have one thing where you would say the Patriots are the best in the AFC at that. I don't know if they have the best offensive line or not. I think they might have the best running game. They don't have the best quarterback. They might have the best pass rusher. They could have the best special teams. But either way, when you add them all together, they're top three among the AFC in all of those. And it's coast-to-coast, wall-to-wall, see-the-shining-sea balance on this New England Patriots team that makes them so difficult. They don't do anything great. They do everything kind of good. So if you're having a bad day, completing passes, Mac Jones against Carolina or early on against the Chargers, well, the defense is going to be able to get a three and out against Justin Herbert, and the special teams is going to have a 20-yard punt return, and they're going to set you up for a field goal. And if it happens again, you get a pick and you don't cash it in, well, that's okay. They'll, they'll figure it out and they'll get another three and out with a return. That, to me, is why the Patriots are the four-wheel drive vehicle that can go through anything. And it's valuable, Phil. It is. And I think specifically when you're looking at the quarterback – the question to me is, in 2021, can you win at a high level with what amounts to be, at the end of the day, essentially average quarterback play? Can you do it? They've proven so far. Call it, can I just ask you this? Why do you call it average? Because of the lack of explosiveness? Or is it the lack of offensive soup to nuts explosiveness? Not so much the quarterback is average, but the You know what's talent. funny, Tom, is, is the – is the offense for the Patriots in general has been relatively explosive. They were second in the league in explosive play rate going into that Falcons game. Yeah, but some of these plays get smushed in during blowouts. Some of them do. And I think they have enough at quarterback to be able to win enough on third and eight. But he's just, he's not yet in terms of his understanding of NFL defenses, in terms of his overall talent level, he is not, among the elite, where he is elite. Here's where I would say he's elite. He's elite, elite in terms of his ball placement. He is all year long. He's been top 10 in completion percentage over expectation, which is based on how close the nearest defender is to the guy you're targeting, how close that target is to the sideline, how far down the field you're throwing, mm-hmm. down in distance, all of it. He's top 10 from day one, and he remains. And so 
he's next level as far as that goes. I just, I'm not ready, Tom, to put him in the top, I don't know, and I would say part of the reason the NFL, right? Part now. of the reason he has to be in that group of top 10 guys, you know, completion percentage over expectation is because he doesn't have dynamic separation causing receivers who are running kind of wide open. This is not a dynamic enough group. The stuff where they get guys open, open scheme that way. It's not individual winners. And that's why I think the Patriots offense has a ceiling. It's more related to the high-end ability of each position group than it is to the high-end ability of Mac Jones. I'm not pretending that he's got a rifle. I mean, that thing that's hanging from his right sleeve has got to get stronger between now and year two. It's just, I mean, people going bananas about the throw to Kendrick Bourne or Hunter Henry for the velocity. You know the touchdown throws I'm talking about? Those are not ropes. They're friggin' perfect. They're anticipatory throws. They're beautiful throws. But they're also concerning sometimes. There is so much that I'd love to talk about this week, but I just ended up with a perfect segue into a conversation that was had on Monday with Josh McDaniels. And Monday we had an absolute barrage of great coaching sound. And I wasn't going to lead with Josh McDaniels on Mac Jones' accuracy, but I'm going to now because we just went into it. So get ready, strap in for pearls of wisdom from coaches like Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick. And we're going to start with this sound from Josh McDaniels talking about whether or not Mac Jones throws a catchable football. Listen to it. It's just, it's just explain. It just puts you on his knee and bounces you along and tells you a whole story. Do you find that Mac throws a, a catchable football and, or a more catchable football? And, and if so, what makes it a catchable football? Uh, definitely. Um, he, I think the first thing is ball placement. Um, you know, your accuracy and ball placement is something you can work hard to try to improve as a coach, but many times naturally a player will have that, uh, that will be their strength or weakness. And I would say that Mac, uh, came here with that as a very strong, um, point in his game. Um, he, there's an anticipation, a hand eye anticipation based on how fast the receiver tight end back, how fast he's moving across the formation, how fast he's moving vertically. And then where you, when you have to let the ball go and when you let it go, what trajectory do you have to let it go at? Um, and there's a lot that goes into that in, in a, in a short amount of time. And Mac has naturally had the ability to lead his receivers put the ball in a place where they can catch and run in front of them um, and try to keep it away from the defenders at the same time. Um, I also think he has the awareness. um, We talk about understanding who you're throwing it to and how far away they are. Um, You know, because if you're talking about a back on a check down who's seven yards in front of you, you know, you don't need a howitzer, you know, to blow his helmet off, you know, and, And so understanding that is a different throw than say the in cut he rips in there to Kendrick Bourne the other day, you know, where the window is smaller and we need to get it in there quick because the window is closing. And so I think, you know, any quarterback that um, that is, is an an accurate passer um, has good ball placement, has an understanding of changing up the pace of his throws and understanding who he's throwing to and 
and what kind of throw is required in order to make it a successful throw. And, um, you know, Mac, Mac does a nice job uh, at, at basically all those things. And um, I think we've seen a lot of different types of throws from him during the course of the year. My favorite part of that, because if you're talking about throwing to a back on a check down who's seven yards in front of you, you don't need a howitzer to blow his helmet off. <laughs> so understanding that's a different throw than say the in cut. He rips in there to Kendrick Bourne the other day where the window's smaller and we need to get it in there because the window is closing. That to me is you understand the kind of throws to make. And as much as there was a, a move on to deify Drew Bledsoe and still a move on to say, you know, maybe Cam could have worked out here. That's something those fellas never really had as a great attribute. And a lot of players never really gain. I'm not sure Josh Allen necessarily has it, although he's a little more touchworthy than most, given how he came into the league. But the bottom line is, Phil, that, that felt like poetry because it confirms some of the things you thought as a fan, media member, or a longtime observer, and it gives you a little bit more fill to it from an expert's point of view. And it's the reason why, to me, they do have enough in the pass game. You can't be a nothing in the passing game and win at a high level. They have enough to be able to succeed on third and six, third and eight. When you have to use the drop back passing game and you can't rely on play action and it can't be a double pass and it's you just have yes. to be good enough to sit in the pocket, identify where the coverage is, identify where your receivers are and make, your, make an accurate throw on time. I think they have enough to do that relatively consistently. When I say, you know, can they win playing a different kind of game? Like think about the quarterbacks we've seen win Super Bowls the last few years. They're all guys you would trust, Tom, to throw the ball 50 times in a game in the Super Bowl if you needed him to. I would trust and, Mac Jones to do that personally. I would. Because I don't think I don't, that's who they want to be, though. No, no, but I would trust them if you got into that situation, as they were against Tampa. I think they were in a throwing game against Tampa, and they definitely were against Dallas. reason I trust them is his accuracy and his decision-making and his toughness. That's why I trust him as much as well, more than any Daniel Jones or you know any sure. of those nitwits or of Baker course. Mayfield. But I trust him you know, right there alongside of Josh Allen. Look, if you put him in a playoff game, Mac Jones this year, he's not going to run down the field and try and lateral it over his head in overtime. Josh Allen did that. He's already yep. smarter than Josh Allen was then. But, anyway. but the situations are different. And I, this I is why I think situation matters. You know, like if Josh Allen had the Patriots offensive line right now and they had the running game that the Patriots have right now, Josh Allen to me would be back in the MVP conversation. He, he would be. He's that talented. He's mm -hmm. that good. He can make that much happen off script. And that's something that, you know, I think teams are really going to test the next few weeks here with Mac Jones. That's what Dean Pease did when he sent blitzes. He didn't he didn't walk linebackers right up to the line of scrimmage and say, hey, we're bringing six. Figure it out because he can't figure it out before the snap there. If you bring him late and you force him to be an off script player, that's when you get the wheelie spinorama trying to escape a hit where he can't really do it. And he ends up losing an extra six yards because he's he's trying to handle that in the way that a Josh Allen would when he's not Josh Allen. To me, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, where they've gotten in trouble this year, is where they try to do too much. And they have to because that's sort of the way their teams are built. And so they get big contracts and they say, well, I'm the guy. I got to make this happen. Mac Jones that, doesn't have that kind of pressure. There's a lot on his shoulders, but it's not the same. And, and so that that's where me, I think the Patriots have a sneaky right. advantage. And that to me, you've said it all offseason, and, and I'm going to write about it 
if I ever uh, get motivated to write, I'm going to write about the fact that it is the greatest asset in the NFL to have is a good quarterback on a rookie contract performing well. It's it because it allows you to go out and buy a pass rush, which the Patriots did. They purchased it at the store. They purchased a tight end game at the store because they hadn't had one and they let it fall apart. All those draft misses they might not have been able to address if they hadn't if they had kept my beloved Tom Brady, even at a cut rate contract of $25 million a year, they still might not have been able to buy all of it. So it was the right move. They sucked in their personnel evaluations via vis-a-vis the draft from 13 to 18 or 19. And they had that is a result, as a result, they couldn't afford to spend more than 10% on the quarterback position. So they lopped off the quarterback. He goes and wins a Super Bowl. They were able to buy a team, and they were able to find the right quarterback. That's my opinion. Here's another opinion my, you might value more than mine. And I don't take any offense at that. He's the greatest coach of all time. Here's Bill Belichick giving chapter and verse explanation of pass rushing coverage. Oh, this is just fantastic, too. It's a long one. But it helps to explain to you how Devin McCourty ends up with the football through the eyes of Bill Belichick and all the things that had to happen to allow McCourty to come up with that game ceiling pick. Again, if you like football, you're going to love this answer. Again, as I've said many times before, you just can't put one guy out there and stop somebody's offense in this league. That's just not realistic. Um, so the combination of, of good team defense, um, run defense, forces passing situations, pass rush, pass coverage, jamming receivers, uh, keeping the quarterback in the pocket, uh, using your help and your leverage and uh, all those things. They're all fundamentals. They're all critical. Um, on that play, um, I mean, we ran a pick stun inside with um, Hightower and Bentley. They both came free. I'm sure Ryan felt the pressure on that. Um, at the same time, uh, Judon came out of the pass rush and and peeled with the back end coverage, which is another uh, luxury that we have when we have pass rushers who can also provide coverage that changes the the rushers that we have available. It changes the the types of rushes that we can use and puts pressure on the offense as to who's coming. I mean, we all know Judon's coming most of the time, but not all the time. Um, and again, as you mentioned on the play, um, Phil, Kyle uh, got a real good jam on Pitts at the line of scrimmage. And I think, you know, normally, you know, Ryan probably would have had a little bit better chance to see that. I'm not sure, you know, exactly what he saw. He, you know, you'd have to ask him, but um, certainly Pitts had a hard time, you know, getting progressing down the field. Kyle did a great job of jamming him. Judon peeled with the back in the flat, so he wasn't open. And Devin got a good break on the ball hook. Ryan didn't have a chance to look anybody off. He had two guys, you know, bearing down on him. So, you know, it's good team defense. You can give credit to whoever you want on that play. And ultimately, you know, Devin's the one with the, the guy in the stat book. But, you know, the flip side of that is the receivers are covered. The quarterback holds the ball. Uh, somebody gets a sack. So, it's again, it's good team defense. That's really what it comes down to. And the more we do that, then the better results we're going to have. But and if one guy breaks down, then the other guys can be in good position. But if you don't cover a receiver or somebody lets the quarterback out of the pocket or, you know, whatever, whatever it is that breaks down, um, in addition to coaching mistakes that come up 
uh, then it all, you know, you get 10 good things and one bad one, and it's still not a good play. Phil, that, of course, was your question because you're a prober. Why'd you go there? Uh, well, a little bit of, uh, you know, inside baseball, I guess, is I, I knew we were going to be talking about that play for the breakdown <laughs> by Johnson. Love and it. so I said, we could use a little bit of an extra breakdown here from the guy who coaches the defense um, and coaches the entire team, but would would give us a lot of detail on that play if I ask him about it. So that's what led to that. But his point is right, where, you know, not only does it take on that specific play, a total defensive effort, but when you get a series of those play after play after play, game after game, you become a lot harder to defeat as an opposing offense. And they have, they, Tom, they have playmakers at every level right now. The safety group is phenomenal. I wrote about Kyle Duggar and Adrian Phillips and the ways they can use those guys. They use them like linebackers a lot. And it gives them so much flexibility. But we know what Devin McCourty brings to the defense. J.C. Jackson is, uh, you know, piling up, it feels like, an interception just about every week. Matthew Judon in the front, Dante Hightower and Juwan Bentley are destroying guards on a regular basis now. It's every level of the defense. If you're looking at this defense, where do you attack? To me, it would still be Jalen Mills. I would try to do a little bit more there, or it's Miles Bryant, but they do so much with their zones now that when you're trying to throw in their direction, you're not you're not always just throwing in their direction. You know, they may be exchanging duties. They they do enough in terms of disguise that it makes it harder to find the weakness, identify it before the snap, and then plan accordingly. So they have they have so much skill and they have so many ways in which to confuse opposing quarterbacks that I don't see this defense, barring injury, slowing down anytime soon. And that's why when we talk injuries, losing Matt Judon would ride sidecar or maybe right in the front seat alongside Mac Jones. You lose Mac, Matt Judon, you lose a dynamic, dynamic pass rusher who allows you to rush for and create havoc. Then you'd have to move Van Noy into that pass rushing spot or Chase Winovich or maybe Uche elevates. Um, High they're tower. still good up there. Yeah, they're still good up there, but it would change it because he's so frigging good and his presence and inability of offensive lines to deal with him one-on-one has made the secondary play better than we anticipated it would. It's actually allowed them to move into a scheme that fits a smart secondary that may not have an otherworldly elite cover corner like Stephon Gilmore was. Nobody talks about Stephon Gilmore much anymore, do they? Oh, you should have paid him top of the market. Okay, on now to Adrian Phillips. And this is the last one I want to hit, but it talks about player ability. And I remember when Adrian Phillips signed, we were, you know, he looked at his numbers and he was kind of a reserve in Los Angeles, but highly valued there. And he came here and, uh, Last year, he was like their best defender in some ways in a, in a lost season. But when you hear this, there's a portion in Bill's answer about Adrian Phillips, the Patriot safety, where he talks about the ability that's present in someone to slow things down in the chaos and understand what to do. And I asked Bill once about slot receiver as opposed to wide receiver and whether or not they're even the same positions. And he kind of said, which is what I anticipated him to say, no, they're not. It's an entirely different spot. They both catch passes, but a slot receiver has so much more going on than a wide receiver. But here's Bill on Adrian Phillips and why he's so friggin' good. Plays faster and bigger than whatever his dimensions and times are. Um, 
and it's got a real high level of instinctiveness and anticipation that uh, for a lot of players in that position, linebackers, safeties, guys that kind of play in the interior part of the defense, um, you know, when you have a lot of guys running around doing different things, it, no matter how fast a guy is, uh, it can slow him down. And no matter how strong he is, <clears throat> if he can't really get into a good football hitting contact position because of the, you know, amount of time it takes or, or the, you know, being able to figure out exactly where you're going and where you need to be and the angle you need to take to get there and all that. So this is the part that really impressed me. If for the folks out there who played football at whatever level, no matter where you played, you, you eventually got stuck in a big pile and you're like, well, who's got the ball? Who's coming from where? Oh my God. And you would try, you might get run over while you're trying to make a tackle. You might hurt your back while trying to block somebody. Cause you did, you have to be able to operate in those tiny spaces. And when he says Belichick does, no matter how fast the guy is, no matter how strong he is, sometimes you don't really get into a good football hitting contact position because the amount of time it takes you to figure out where you're going and what you're doing in the angles. I mean, you were a good football player, Phil, right? Not right on that. You're not going to say it, but that's the essence of, of playing football well is you can just being able to do shit in tiny spaces. Well, especially at, at, at that level, right? And I'm not when trying to look, I'm not talking pop one. Believe me, I'm no, just no. saying, no, no. I mean, huh. it, when the athletes are all of a elite caliber, you can't out athlete people generally. And so understanding what to do, as you're saying, becomes supremely important. And especially when you're in tight spaces, the way these safeties are. And I, I think it would be easy to swoop into New England for one week or follow them and read every story and look at every box score and think of Kyle Duggar and Adrian Phillips as space players because they're safeties. One guy weighs 220 pounds. The other one weighs 210. They're not, they are <laughs> a large portion of their jobs is to be a linebacker mm -hmm. before Sunday's game, before Sunday's games across the league, Kyle Duggar was third among safeties in terms of the number of snaps he played in the box. Adrian Phillips was fifth. In terms of end of the line of scrimmage plays, these guys are top 12, both of them. They are linebackers for about 50% of the time. And what you can do, though, when you have players that are that small and that athletic who can play linebacker is if you see a team like the Browns that want to roll out a bunch of tight ends, the Titans might do something similar on Sunday. You can still match up with those guys and play the run. Right. Because that's the benefit of they mm -hmm. are tight ends for the defensive side of the ball. What the tight end brings in terms of being able to match up with the defense. Well, if you bring small people onto the field, we're going to run it. If you bring big people onto the field, we're going to run by you in the passing game. Not if you've got Adrian Phillips and Kyle Duggar out there. You don't know what those guys are. Are right. they linebackers? Are they safeties? That's what makes them so valuable. It's funny because a few years ago after the Patriots played Atlanta in the Super Bowl, I said they got to get a Deion Jones. They got to get a Deion Jones. They need a Deion Jones. So every year we did you know, the draft. And I'd say, well, who's, who's the linebacker safety hybrid? And they did, they got him. They got Kyle Duggar. Um, last thing that I want to hit on too, and this really goes to why I think the defense has improved so much. This is Bill talking about Adrian Phillips in the moment decision-making and how he makes the right decision. He almost always just does the right thing, you know, kind of a lot like Chung. Um, 
stuff happens and and he's got a decision to make and it's maybe a little gray and a little, you know, and he, and he just does the right thing. He does what you would want him to do without really telling him exactly what to do in that situation. So that's all that's impressive. So the last part of that, we go where Bill says, you know, stuff happens and he's got a decision to make, and maybe it's a little gray and he just does the right thing. He does what you'd want him to do without really telling him exactly what to do in that situation. So all that's impressive. Not everybody does that. Adrian Phillips has been in the league for what, five, seven years. I've known something like that. Yeah. Somewhere in there. A little longer than that. Maybe JC Jackson hasn't been Kyle Duggar. Hasn't been. Sometimes you can catch those guys in that gray area and they're going to wander toward the darkness instead of the light. But will they do it the next time? And that's why I think we've seen a Patriots defense that has improved. The off the coordinators, Belichick, Mayo, Mayo, Belichick, whatever, have taken these guys a little bit off of their plate so that they're spending less time in the gray area. And they've also come to understand, and I keep referring to that play against Dallas, J.C. Jackson didn't screw up on third and 25. He just wasn't fast enough. He was in space. He didn't diagnose what was about to happen. They completed first down, touchdown, all that. Hey, everybody, we got Castle tomorrow. We're going to bang this out so we don't have to pod on Thanksgiving. And we'll tack the Van Noy interview from Quick Slants on the end of that one. So let's call it a day. Enjoy it. I hope you liked all that sound there. And Phil's dead or sleeping. I thought that was fun. Bye. Bye. Bye.